In this episode, I talk with Zoe DeWolf. Zoe is currently the Director of Government Affairs of the Midwest and Rocky Mountain region at Sanofi. She has extensive background working on political campaigns and as a lobbyist. Now, when you hear those roles, building relationships and strong networks is key to her leadership success. So in today's episode, Zoe's going to share with you a little bit about her leadership journey, but also provide some practical tips on how to help you expand your own network. I'm Janet Ioli, and you're listening to Power Presence Academy, wise words from wise women leaders. If you're looking for leadership mentoring, advice, or just a dose of inspiration, I've got you covered. You'll get leadership tips, and you'll hear from women executives at the top of their game as they share their lessons of experience with you. This is your go-to place for all things women and leadership. It doesn't have to be lonely at the top. Let's go. So, Zoe, thank you so much for being here with us today. Janet, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited. So let me just start out with a question I ask just about everybody who comes on this show is, can you just tell us a little bit about your personal leadership journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, again, thank you. My leadership journey has truly been that. It's been a journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's, we never expect the way it turns out, right? It just evolves. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It's this really incredible evolution. But I think yeah. mine really started in seventh grade. I grew up in South Dakota in a really small town called Lead. And at the time, there was a very inspiring congresswoman. And I had the opportunity to meet her. And in meeting her, I realized that I had a voice. And I really had a passion for serving. And I think at that time, I didn't know what that meant. Like, okay, I'm in seventh grade. Like, what does that mean? But, you know, taking that value home, it was very important to my mom that I had a voice because she grew up in Pakistan. She didn't really have that opportunity. And I had, you know, this incredible congresswoman who was very inspiring. So here are these two women, one who is an advocate and one who is really like suffering from an oppressive upbringing, which she's, you know, still rallying with but both really inspired me. So eventually I found my way onto the debate team and taking a lesson from my dad, if I was going to use my voice, I better use it effectively. I'm I'm a big debater as well. So I I, I love that you did that. Yes. Yeah. It's so awesome. And it gives such an incredible opportunity, especially to young people for confidence and learning how to build arguments. In high school, I got some national recognition. I was able to get a full ride scholarship to college at Northern Arizona University. I really honed the craft there and I finished my career as the top female debater in the United States. My way to Washington. Wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Oh, it's just, you know, a fun little thing to look back on. Uh, I had some really great teammates and great partners, also super strong women who I'm really thankful for. But I made my way to Washington, worked on the Hill for a little bit, and I had the opportunity to work in the office of Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. And in the Senate office of Tim Johnson. And I really learned about what the possibility of what a career in politics could look like. And what 
became most attractive to me at that time wasn't being in, you know, in the center stage, but it was really about the influence that you could have on the outside. So the better part of my career professionally was as a lobbyist. I spent 10 years as a contract lobbyist in Colorado and eventually wanted to focus a little bit more. So I was recruited by Sanofi about two years ago and have found an incredibly rewarding career there as, you know, on the more strategic political level across many states. That's such an interesting journey. I mean, and the way you weave in the debate piece of it, I think is fascinating. And I, I have to ask you this, how do you think that's helping you, you know, in the roles that you're in now? Because obviously you learn some really, really powerful skills when you learn how to debate and just the speaking and bringing your voice. And you mentioned the theme of your voice. How do you think that helped you as you navigated this? I mean, I think that you led to one of the most important aspects is that it's confidence. But one thing I really learned is not to take yourself too seriously. So there's that duality. On the one hand, you you are learning how to craft arguments. But on the other hand, you're not taking those arguments personally. I love debate because you have to see both sides of an issue and formulate thoughtful opinions and thoughtful arguments around both sides. So you don't hold on to them as much as I think people do now, like they hold their thoughts as their own. And I think that doesn't allow for really an evolution of self. So that I think it has been the most important aspect of debate. And then of course, just such an incredible network of brilliant people who challenge you through their competitive nature to become smarter. Yeah, no, I, and I love the way you talk about the both sides, because I think that is a huge piece of it, is that it forces you to argue both sides when you're in debate. Mm-hmm. So then you really have to be listening and understand the other side, which is something we're not doing that much of today. <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. I think there's something really powerful there. Zoe, I mean, that's a fascinating background. Talk to me a little bit about obstacles. What were some obstacles you faced along the way or you still face along this leadership journey? Obstacles, challenges, I think we face them all the time with varying degrees. And for me, it's really about what you do with them and how we use those obstacles to learn and grow. So I think sometimes we look at challenges as roadblocks. Okay, I've hit a challenge. I have to turn around. But I really like to look at them much like debate. It's a point of information. So when I talk about my leadership journey, you know, what I do every day, I consume mass amounts of information. I formulate opinions. I look at ideas. I consolidate that information and intel into a story that has meaning and a story that has impact. So basically what I've realized is that when you look at challenges in the same way, I lean into those challenges. I actively look for different perspectives and opinions because that is what allows me to find deeper meaning and it helps serve my mission to learn and to grow. It's interesting. The thing that's coming out for me as you talk, that there's something about non-attachment not being attached to an outcome. It's being able to weave into different phases and facets of things without really being totally attached to something. That's like a non-ego attachment is almost what I hear when you talk. It's something that I've been practicing a lot. Another secret side of me is I'm a yoga instructor and I practice really this idea of non-attachment and of sacrificing you know, your idea of self and your attachment to your ego. So it is hard. <laughs> it's a hard journey, but it's truly a practice, right? Yeah, absolutely. I picked that up when you're talking, you know, because that's kind of the theme of the energy of what you're talking about is this thing we get so attached to outcomes that 
you know, our ego is so involved in things that it's really difficult to be resilient or to overcome obstacles because we're so stuck in what we're doing. So yeah, I love the way you bring that up. Now, let's talk about some of the practical pieces of what you do, right? So a lot of the work you do in this service orientation does involve building relationships. I mean, you've got to expand your network, you've got to go out, you've got to build relationships at all levels. How do you go about doing that? Well, first, I think it's a little bit about rethinking what it means to build a network. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's the right lens. The most important, the most influential relationships or the greatest relationships I've had in my life were not forced. So I think that for networking, much like that, for it to be successful, it has to be organic. You really need to focus on human connection if you want it to mean anything. So leaning into your authentic self and showing up as a whole person when you're not necessarily looking to network, but rather looking to connect. Yes. I think that's where you find more impact. Yeah. I love that you bring this up because, you know, this is an area that I believe really strongly in is that you're building relationships. You're not just building a bunch of people that you're going to use for something. I remember once I was talking to someone who was actually a marketing Mm -hmm. consultant and she said, don't spend your time having coffee with people that can't help you. (laughs) And I laughed and I thought, wow, that's a philosophy. You know, so, I mean, it's kind of like a use and abuse thing. And when you have that type of philosophy, you're not really building a network or relationship. I don't know what exactly you're building. Yeah. I mean, talk about ego, right? Like enter into a conversation and imagine what that person's life is going to look like in 10 years. You never know. Right. And it's the orientation. You know, I always talk about your orientation is I have something to learn from everyone that I encounter. And you really do. I I mean, I really, truly believe that, that Mm -hmm. I'm learning every single moment from anybody that I'm encountering, whether I'm at the post office or grocery store or wherever, wherever we were before COVID, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That there's something to learn. And if you have that orientation, it's a little bit different than what can I get from you? I totally agree. I think it's, I mean, for me, that's my life mission. That's where I come to into alignment is where can I learn and how can I grow? And so to keep that growth mindset and to you know just keep that mentality about creativity and curiosity, it's really important for me, just from a mental health perspective, let alone all the professional development stuff. Right, right. <laughs> but there's something about that. I mean, but I think that you know, we don't like to use this word because we think it's woo, but I use this word a lot and I use it with executives. I use it all the time is there's an energetic field that you're putting off depending on what your motive is. I really believe that. Yeah, you can feel it. You absolutely can feel it. People can feel that. What tips would you give to other women about how to expand their network in the way that you're describing, right? Rather than you know, go out and go get all these business cards and go meet people that can help you. I mean, how would you advise people to broaden their relationships? Well, you know, one thing I love about kind of leaning into my femininity is that women are really great at connecting and networking naturally. But the issue is that we sometimes get spun up about what other people think of us. So we have to get out of our own heads. And I'll say it a billion times. Get out of your head. Let go of the expectation of outcome. We don't know what will happen. So just let things be. And I think you alluded to this earlier. It's like one of the things that really frustrated me when I lived in Washington, D.C. is that you could tell immediately when you were meeting with someone 
that wanted to get something out of you versus wanting to get to know you. And I think, you know, networking isn't about finding somebody who can get you something. It's really about making connections with people who want to help you and people who you want to help. And that's a reframe, right? It's a reframe because, you know, what can I get is a certain mentality that it's actually (laughs) off-putting when somebody connects with you because they want something, you're not going to want to connect with them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where networking becomes work when I have to do this thing for someone else and they're going to do something for me. And here's the expectation that this is going to work out a certain way, you know, get out of the work of networking. I don't even like using the word anymore. I know. I know. And, you know, I use the word because when you hear it, that's what people relate to. But I agree with you. I mean, I truly agree with you on this. And I, I know it from my own experience that there's something about having a genuine, I mean, and you're alluding to it, you know, it's a genuine interest. Mm -hmm. And if you have a genuine interest and a genuine desire to serve, there's a different type of connection that you're making with people because you're curious. You use that word. Your curiosity is leading you versus... Versus your to-do list. Right. Versus your to-do list. Or, you know, who can help me? So what advice would you give to women who dislike this concept of networking? I mean, I know we've reframed it here, which I love. What advice would you give them in terms of how to go out there and meet other people? Because we do need other people. Remembering that networking really isn't about selling yourself. It's about making connections. It's about being you. It's about knowing who you are. And at the very, very end of the day, it's not being intimidated. And I think that sometimes women, we feel so good about ourselves and we have that inner voice that says, "Uh uh-uh, not today. Uh uh-uh, not today. So quieting that voice that is coming from that place of insecurity. And in order to do that, you have to come from a place in your heart. And I think that when you do that, you don't have a challenge making a connection. Yeah. I mean, you're talking right up my alley, right? (laughs) I talk so much about inner critic and, you know, imposter feelings and women and all of those sorts of things in my work. But I will tell you what I'm capturing out of what you're saying that I think is so, so important is this concept of self-conscious, right? We're so conscious of ourselves. We go into a place, it's like, what are people thinking of me? They're looking at me. How do I look? How do I, 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 I? When you have that orientation, you can't focus or be interested in anyone else. (laughs) So it's a no-win situation, right? So what I'm hearing you say, it's like you're going in Take the focus off of yourself and put it on other people. And when you go in with that, wow, this is a fascinating person here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. The focus isn't on you. So you don't have time to be so preoccupied in your head about yourself because you're focused on them. (laughs) There are only so many voices you can listen to, right? right? One of my favorite books is Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul and, you know, quieting that inner voice really does allow you to approach other people where they are and hear them for what they have to say rather than hear them through your filter that you're you know, communicating out. And I think that just helps break down the communication barrier and also make for a stronger connection. And so there's something there that you're also alluding to about being present, being mm-hmm. fully there. I could sit here all day and talk with you, Zoe. I mean, we have so many topics and I think we've touched on so many things that I would love to talk more about, right? Like the self-doubt and all of those things. But, you know, in our limited time today, 
since we were, we're a little bit focused on just talking about building relationships, which all of it is connected. Let me ask you this. What other parting words of wisdom would you give to women who are watching this today that we didn't cover today? Um, don't take yourself so seriously. Remember, everything you do is just a thing. Everything we do is just practice. So know that practice comes, practice goes. You don't have it all, all at the same time. I love it. I have to ask you this. Okay, so yes. it's coming up in the moment. So where did you learn to become so wise? I don't think wisdom comes with age. I definitely don't believe that. But where do you think you get all of this wisdom from, you know, in terms of the things that you've learned? Where do you think it comes from? Well, A, thank you. That's an incredible compliment. I love that about myself. But I think you're right. Wisdom doesn't come with age. I think of wisdom as an equation. Wisdom equals time plus experience. You can't control time, but you can control your experience. So, you know, I grew up in a really small town, but I grew up in a multicultural household. Reading was a very important part of my upbringing. And I read a lot. Behind me is a bookshelf full of books on my nightstand. There's always a high stack and, you know, part of multiple book clubs. Like I use every opportunity as an opportunity to grow and learn. I see people as teachers and I just really try not to miss an opportunity. I really, 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 whether it's the barista at the coffee shop, whether it's somebody who's walking their dog or whether it's, you know, a former professor when I went to college. Everyone can teach you something. And when you don't take yourself too seriously, you don't let your ego get too big. I, I think, at least for me, I found there are just so many lessons and revisiting lessons that I've lived before, applying new experiences to those, you know, to those perspectives. That's always been awesome. But I have a long list of books that I found really helpful in my journey. Yeah. This has been really wonderful. Thank you so much, Zoe. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you for the, your wise words of wisdom. Thanks for listening. And always remember this. Every single moment, you have a choice in what you say, what you do, and how you make people feel. Pause and make those choices wisely and intentionally. Because every single moment, those choices are who you become as a leader. See you next time.